it's November. How did that even happen? I am shocked that it's November. I feel like I need to make a disclaimer that I'm recording this before the election, though I know it comes out after the election. I will be talking about the election and other content because I know you're going to ask and it's totally fair. <laughs> Follow me the other places at the Emily D Baker on Instagram, on YouTube. If you're part of my text crew, it's in the show notes. It is everywhere. The text crew will be breaking it down. 615-455-3216. It's actually me texting. I will be there, text crew. I'm not going to leave you guys alone in these times. So that disclaimer aside, today we are talking about drama and defamation because shit is going down on YouTube. And there's a lot to learn here about how we operate online and there's a lot to talk about. So let's just get into it. Hey there, this is Get Legit Law and Shit, and I'm Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer for online business. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, and I'm a former prosecutor. So yeah, I know some shit, and we're going to talk about the legal shit you need to know. But don't worry, this is not another boring business podcast. So let's get started. All right, you guys. Yes, we're talking about drama and defamation. Just a word, a word of advice. Of course, this is not legal advice on any particular situation. These are general breakdowns. And I like using things that we're all talking about anyway to break down these, you know, laws and to talk about them in a way that makes sense, hopefully. <laughs> We've talked about defamation here before in particularly the episode where I talk about getting sued over bad reviews. And I call that back in the episode about Yelp putting racist business labels on particular businesses because that gets into labeling things in a way that if it's not true, could really damage business, could potentially be defamatory. That was my, my opinion, my concern about that. And in the getting sued over bad reviews, we talk about defamation lawsuits that spring from things like Yelp reviews or Hotels.com reviews and those types of online reviews because there's a whole host of lawsuits that come out of that area. But today we're talking about defamation in the context of YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I do have a video over on YouTube about Cardi B's defamation lawsuit. And defamation is a really interesting thing because we live in a country where everyone will tell you about their First Amendment right to free speech. I can say what I want to say. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Why do I say kind of? Because there are limits around speech in regard to what free speech is, who free speech refers to, and the consequences of speech. So free speech, yes. You have a right to free speech as to the government not telling you to shut up. The government can't stop you from speaking. This came up with TikTok, and we talked about it. One of the courts that was evaluating the president's executive order with regard to TikTok held that there was going to be an injunction to the president, like telling all of the businesses that help support TikTok that they have to stop supporting TikTok. Part of the impetus for that was that the TikTok the TikTok. God, I sound so old. The TikTok. 
Yes, the TikTok. The TikTok is a speech platform. So if the government is trying to force companies to not allow TikTok in the U.S., is it shutting down speech? And the court found that it was enough of a question that you can't just shut down the entire platform in the United States. Instead, those legal issues needed to be vetted before the whole platform just disappeared off the face of the internet. Remember, there was like a D-Day countdown to like TikTok being gone. You could go back <laughs> and find that content. It's going to be linked in, of course, the show notes and the, the comments on the YouTube video. So that was one of the ways with the government shutting down a speech platform. We've also talked about speech in the context of Section 230 and the TikTok, just kidding, the Twitter, the Google, and the Facebook, because there were Senate hearings last week. God, was it only last week? It feels like today's been 10 years, 2020. 2020 has been like 150 years and like 17 seconds all at the same time. But there was a Senate Commerce Committee hearing with regard to social media censorship after the New York Post posted an article about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's laptop hard drive thing. That article started going somewhat viral, getting really heavily shared, and Twitter shut it down, saying that it was hacked materials. It's come out that it wasn't hacked materials. Twitter said that they reversed themselves, but the New York Post still didn't regain their Twitter account. And so you now have private businesses shutting down speech of a news reporting outlet based on their own terms of use. And the Senate has had more than one hearing regarding Section 230. I have all the content on that, but in very short summary, Section 230 gets into the fact that content platforms can't be sued for the shit that the people using the platforms do. So if I defame someone over YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Google, you if you're the one I've defamed, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to defame you. I'm teasing. If you were the person I have defamed over one of these social media platforms and you're like, well, Emily's, I mean, she's a little bit baller, but she's not that baller. We could take her Tesla, but there's not much more. There's not much more there. I would rather sue Facebook or Twitter because they're like a billion dollar company. Maybe I should sue Apple because she probably did it from her phone. And maybe I should sue Starbucks too because she was probably sitting at a Starbucks with her phone. That's not true, COVID. I was sitting in my car. <laughs> I was sitting in my car next to a Starbucks, but I was holding a Starbucks drink. So maybe we can sue Starbucks and then the Apple iPhone that I'm on because, you know, your girl loves Apple. And then the platform that I've transmitted the speech through, let's just sue all of them. Well, the Starbucks and the Apple are ridiculous examples, but as it goes to the providers, this, oh, I forgot we can sue we can sue Verizon too because I used Verizon cellular service to transmit the bits of information out into the interwebs. But Section two hundred thirty prevents you from being able to sue Verizon, Apple. I mean, tangentially, as it is a device where you can communicate, but tangentially pocket communicator. <laughs> if you get the reference, please tell me on social media. Communicator. Anyway, <laughs> I've made myself laugh so hard I can't recover. We're talking about Section 230. Section 230 prevents you from suing Verizon who transmitted the data, Facebook who housed the data, Twitter who housed the data, 
for something that I've said because they're a platform and right now they are protected from lawsuit from you for shit that I say, but they're also protected from lawsuit from someone like the New York Post for censoring them. And that's where Section 230 is coming under fire because it's protecting social media platforms. And there is pros and cons to the way that that's being done, but it is going to be continuing to be a conversation because anytime social media can regulate speech in a big way, we're going to have the government trying to say, well, how much speech can they regulate? Should they be allowed to regulate? How are they implementing policies to regulate speech? Because it gets, it really does get into the right that people can say what they say right now. You can say what you want to say, but there's consequences. If you say stuff that's illegal, there are consequences. If you say stuff that is civilly liable, defamatory, interference, tortious interference with business relations, things like that, you can then be sued for. But there's no way to sue a social media platform for telling you to stop talking. And that's where the Section 230 conversations really break down. Well, get started. (laughs) They're not breaking down just yet. They're getting started. Let's get it started. Oh my goodness. You've seen all of the ADD in the last like three minutes (laughs) because I've distracted myself. I'm just, I'm highly distractible today as I'm recording, but I really enjoy talking about speech. It's, it's one of our most basic forms of communication, isn't it? Particularly during COVID, we are using online methods to connect through speech more than ever before. You're not seeing your coworkers at work most of the time. You're not just hanging out and talking to other people the way that we used to. So speech really has become such a hot topic. And then all of the shit popped off on, on YouTube. You guys know, I love YouTube. You know, YouTube has been like the first social media platform I was really on as I was leaving the district attorney's office I find so much community there and camaraderie there, and I just adore it. So I'm also basic, (laughs) and I love some basic-ass YouTube drama. I'm going to give you a brief background. If you want the full background on these things, I have multiple videos on YouTube about them, and you're welcome to go get the whole breakdown. Today, I'm really breaking down the background of the story and what's going on as it pertains to defamation and speech. So we can really break into those laws versus me telling you every single detail of all of these, the lawsuits that we're talking about. So just to bring you up to speed, if you are not heavy into the YouTube, we are going to be talking about Tati Westbrook, her husband, James Westbrook, her companies, Halo Beauty and Tati Beauty. There are other companies. We're not getting into it. It's not super relevant for this. (laughs) A drama channel without a crystal ball, which is run by Katie Paulson and other YouTubers in the beauty community, tangentially Jeffree Star, James Charles. It was so funny. I was talking to my husband about these lawsuits and my son's like, James Charles. And I'm like, yeah, do you, do you know James Charles? And he's like, yeah, isn't he a, like a gamer on YouTube? Because he's always on these other people's channels playing like Among Us and Minecraft and stuff. And I'm like, no, he's a beauty influencer who broke through by having like, he was the first guy to have a deal with CoverGirl. Um, Do you watch James Charles's channel? He's like, no, I just see him. He's like friends with all the people that my son watches. And he's like, isn't James Charles a gamer? No, Travis, no, no, he's a beauty boy like Jeffree Star. 
kind of. So to give you a brief rundown of the the underlying facts, Tati Westbrook is a beauty YouTuber who was friends with James Charles, Jeffree Star, Shane Dawson-ish, launched a brand called Halo. It's a vitamin brand. It's a nutraceuticals brand, vitamin supplements, hair, skin, nails, that kind of thing. She posted a video on YouTube that kind of broke the internet in May 2019 called Bye Sister. It was a video really diming out her friend, James Charles, who had gotten a a wee bit egotistical, according to Tati Westbrook and according to later statements by Shane Dawson. His career was blowing up. He's like 19 at the time. And she called him out for behavior that she was hurt by, including the fact that he had supported sugar bear hair. If you spend any time online, you've probably seen influencers hawking these vitamins. They're, They're little like gummy bear looking things, but they're sleep vitamins or hair vitamins or whatever. They're gummy bears, but make it vitamins. Anyway, James Charles was um, did a quick little Instagram story where you could swipe up to check out Sugar Bear Hair, and Tati lost her shit about it and was super pissed. She posted videos on Instagram about being hurt. I mean, maybe she wasn't super pissed. She might have just been really hurt. It's fair. Posted videos on YouTube saying that she was, or on Instagram stories, she was really hurt, felt betrayed by a friend, didn't feel supported. She has a vitamin brand. Her friend who had at that time, gosh, maybe 16, 17 million followers on YouTube and millions and millions on other platforms had supported this competitor, business competitor. So in the Buy Sister video, which is now off of YouTube, I think it garnered almost 50 million views before it came down, uh, before she took it down. She talks about him supporting that brand and and her brand and how hurtful that was to her, which if you have a friend that doesn't support your business and then supports your competitor, I would imagine that that would be very hurtful or could be very hurtful. So this Buy Sister video blows up. James Charles, after that, loses 3 million subscribers off of YouTube in like 48 hours. It was unlike anything people had ever seen. And Shane Dawson is recording the Jeffree Star second documentary where the conspiracy palette came out at the end. And in his teaser trailer for that, he showed all of this, what became called Dramageddon 2. He showed all of this Dramageddon going down and people were like, oh my God, we're going to see behind the scenes of Dramageddon. And then we didn't. And everybody was like, what? I wanted the behind the scenes of Dramageddon. Dramageddon went down in May. Tati took herself off of YouTube. There were videos back and forth. Tati took herself off of YouTube. This summer, Tati came out with a video talking about the backstory almost a year later about how much that video and the fallout after the video and the lead up to the video has affected her, affected her life, affected her business, affected her health and well-being, and hasn't been back really on YouTube since. James Charles lost the subscribers, regained the subscribers, and is frolicking with TikTokers, from what I can tell online. <laughs> Jeffree Star um, caught a brunt of a bunch of other stuff this summer and has not been on social media all that much and doesn't seem to be related to any of the Tati, doesn't seem to be related to Tati Westbrook or James Charles really anymore at the moment, at least not in any online way. So that's kind of the basic environment we're in. Then on October 20th, the business partner of Tati Westbrook and her husband, James. And if I refer to James Charles, I will call him James Charles so that we don't get confused with Tati's husband, James. 
they have a business partner in their vitamin business who sued them for a number of causes of action. And just without getting into the whole deep, deep dive background of that lawsuit, I will just kind of give you the causes of action. And it is multiple plaintiffs, multiple defendants filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court alleging breach of fiduciary duty, which is a like you owe a responsibility to your corporation, another count of breach of fiduciary duty between different parties, negligence, another count of negligence, two counts of gross negligence, a count of fraudulent misrepresentation or false promise, a count of breach of contract, a count of breach of duty of good faith and fair dealing, a count of promissory estoppel, which is like a breach of contract, but if the contract's only an oral contract, like oral, don't don't go there, meaning meaning it's not written. It's not written. I see you. <laughs> account of unjust enrichment, account of aiding and abetting the breach of fiduciary duty, another count of aiding and abetting the breach of fiduciary duty, another count of aiding and abetting the breach of fiduciary duty. No, I'm teasing. Another count of aiding and abetting the breach of duty of good faith and fair dealing. A final count of conversion for all of you law school nerds out there. The chattel in this is the money. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> and those are all the causes of action. But this lawsuit generally alleges that the business partner had a 50% interest in the business for what became the Halo Vitamins. At some point, Tati and James went to the business partner and said, look, we want this business to be split a third, a third, a third. And in the lawsuit, the way it's filed, the first sentence in this lawsuit pops off with, this is a lawsuit caused by the defendant's greed. Yep, it, it goes there. Like this whole lawsuit is written as if they're waiting for TMZ to report on it. There, it's written with the the juicy stuff that you would want to know and talk about in the summary of the lawsuit and the summary of the dispute. It is it is all in there. There is stuff in this suit relating to Dramageddon and the Bi Sister video that Toddy posted. There is stuff in here talking about Jeffrey Star being offered five hundred million dollars by L'Oreal to buy Star Cosmetics. Though I'm told in the comments of my YouTube videos that that company, Jeffree Star Cosmetics, is worth over a billion dollars. So who knows? But L'Oreal allegedly offered him 500 million. It talks about the fact that Sugar Bear Hair was offering Toddy Westbrook's friend, Jeffree Star, $200,000 for a post about the vitamins. It talks about the fact that the business partner allegedly leased Tati's husband a $200,000 Maserati Gran Turismo to drive around. All kinds of juicy little details in this lawsuit. But the heart of it is that the business partner had a 50% ownership. Tati and her husband then split a 50% ownership. They wanted it to be owned a third, a third, a third. And then alleging that the promises made by Tati and James were not honored and upheld and that those were promises made to induce the business partner to give up his 50% share. So that's the the underlying allegations here. Again, the court of public opinion is not a court of law. This is one side of the story. This is the allegations filed by the business partner. This has not been answered by Tati and James Westbrook, but it kind of has a little bit, and that's where we get into some of the drama. 
so this suit's filed October, what did I say, 20th, 2020. And immediately a drama channel on YouTube. And if you're not into the YouTube drama space, there are channels that are commentary channels or drama channels or T channels, whatever you want to call them, that report on the happenings of YouTube. It's like Gossip Girl, but make it YouTube. (laughs) It's talking about other people in the space and what's going on with them. So YouTube has its own little like TMZ fleet style of, of independent commentators that talk about all of the drama going on, like the popular kids in high school. You know how everybody seems to know all the tea? And there's that clip in Mean Girls where it's like, oh my God, I saw Katie Heron wear um, camo pants. So now I'm wearing camo pants. It was so like, it's like that. It's it's really like the kids on the platform reporting on what the cool kids are doing. And it's fascinating. I love me a good drama channel. Hopefully the analogy makes sense. There's a drama channel called Without a Crystal Ball. Without a Crystal Ball started reporting on this lawsuit. Without a Crystal Ball has now been sued by Tati and James Westbrook and Halo Beauty, not just related to this lawsuit with the business partner, but also related to this lawsuit with the business partner. And she's being sued for defamation and more. So now we've got Tati Westbrook and her husband involved in a lawsuit with a business partner. He's suing them. They are the defendants. And then you've got them as the plaintiffs filing a lawsuit against this drama channel, both as a business and as an individual, but against this drama channel for statements that they made in part in discussing that previous lawsuit, which is why the lawsuits are connected. Because look, when I went through these suits, there is stuff alleged in the second lawsuit that mirrors some of the stuff that's in the first lawsuit. And I was like, this is way too close. Like that when things are too coincidental in law, especially when we're dealing with some of the same parties, my little spidey sense is like, there is something here. I don't know what's here because all we have are the filing documents where the lawyers say what they say to support their lawsuit. It's not all the information that they have. It's not everything that they know. It's enough to substantiate the claims going, hey, this is the baseline of the shit that went on. And these are the causes of action that we believe were breached. And, but wait, there's more. Like when you get to a jury trial, you're going to see a lot more than what you see in a complaint. This is the baseline. So we also, again, with the new suit, this is just a filed lawsuit. Doesn't mean the things in it are true. Doesn't mean we have the whole story. We haven't heard from, well, we've kind of heard from without a crystal ball. And we're going to talk about that too. And by we kind of heard from without a crystal ball, it's because she had videos saying she's never going to get sued by Toddy. Like, they're not going to sue me. They would have done it already. They've served me four season desist. They didn't sue me. Those were stated before Toddy sued her. She also made a statement on Twitter about the lawsuit, like breaking down and trying to kind of defend herself. But I don't have the whole tweet because she deleted it and then she deleted her whole Twitter account and then it was back. And then she made a statement on Instagram, which is the one I screenshotted because I'm not a full grown drama channel. And um, I'm not used to people like deactivating their entire accounts and then being like, oh, but it's back. Oh, but it's not back. A lot of her tweets are gone. A lot of her videos have come down since all of this has gone down. Because if you go to do your own like, oh, I want to see if the statements in the complaint that are being alleged as defamation. I want to see the context for myself. A lot of those videos are already down or privated or 
deleted, whatever. They don't have to be completely pulled off of YouTube, but they're private and you can't find them. So she made a statement on Instagram saying, I deactivated my Twitter today. I will be back. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not running from anything. I just can't answer anything, which is probably why she took that tweet down (laughs) where she did answer a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I will find that somewhere in a subreddit and link it because I'm sure it's around somewhere. She continues saying, I am not running narratives. Anything said about me is someone else's opinion and anything alleged about me is false. I know the truth and I know what's going on. I can't speak about anything. I know you want answers, but you have to trust that this will be sorted out and everything will be fine. Demanding I answer your questions will never work and you obviously don't understand the legal system. Anyone gloating or acting above me, just remember if you are making videos like I do and cover commentary, this can and might be you. I have comments about that. Just, she continues, just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't, but be careful what you cover seriously. There are a lot of wealthy people on YouTube that spend a lot of money to keep smaller creators quiet. This is not about one person, but rather many. I've learned a lot in the past few days and what I'm going through has happened to many others. What's interesting about that is commentary is allowed. It's when commentary crosses the boundaries that it's not allowed. And we're going to talk about the allegations in the lawsuit. Tati's attorney with regard to the business partner suit also spoke. It's reported in BuzzFeed News that the attorney spoke to E! News calling the claim from the business partner meritless and absurd, saying that the claim is baseless, offensive, defies common sense. It's reported that the attorney says this is particularly true given that Swanson has received millions in profit distributions from Halo Beauty almost exclusively due to the Westbrook's efforts. Tati and James will vigorously defend this lawsuit and are confident that the truth will come out and that they will prevail. So that is part of the lawyer's statement with regard to the business partner suit saying the business partner suit is baseless. You hear from without a crystal ball saying, I will be vindicated. This can happen to anyone that making it almost seem that YouTube, larger YouTubers will just go after smaller channels for reporting on things versus if you say things that are outside of the bounds of what you you can say outside of the bounds of actual commentary, you can be sued, which is exactly what seems to be happening in this case. First Amendment covers freedom of speech. Defamation allows you to sue someone if they say shit that's defamatory. So that's where the bumpers are around that First Amendment right. Yes, there's also a freedom of press. Yes, press can also be sued for defamation. The press protections in this are that there's a higher standard for defamation when it comes to a public person. And in this case, it's pretty fair to say that Tati Westbrook is a public person. She has some 9 million subscribers on YouTube. She's made her money and her business as a YouTube personality, though she is not a traditional celebrity. She's definitely a YouTube celebrity. And I don't think there's going to be an argument that she's not a public person. So to prove defamation, when you are reporting something with regard to a public person, there's a higher standard. Also for defamation, you have to prove that the statement was not privileged. And there are types of reporting that are privileged. You're allowed to report on this, but the reporting has to be factual. 
And we will get into some of the comments where I see issue with some of the things that without a crystal ball, quote unquote, reported is that she made extrapolations and distinctions from the lawsuit that was filed, but doesn't really have the background and training as an attorney to say this means this, legally speaking, breaking it down. She was saying, oh, this must mean that this person is a fraudster, a criminal, selling snake oil. These are some of the types of statements that the complaint alleges, she said. So instead of sticking to the complaint, it took statements in the complaint against Tati and James and took it three steps further. So getting back to defamation and what needs to be proven so that we can talk about defamation in context, it's that a false, unprivileged statement was made. So the statement was false and it wasn't like I'm reporting that someone else is saying a false statement or I'm reporting that in court somebody made this statement. It is a false, unprivileged statement about the person who you're saying it about. So about the plaintiffs in these cases, about the claimants, that it caused harm to the plaintiff through the statements, and that there was a reckless disregard for the truth with a public figure. You have to prove actual malice, and this can vary what needs to be proved state by state, but generally actual malice is showing that it was published, and that can be put on Twitter, put on a blog, put on YouTube, put in a podcast, published in some way, made public in some way, with knowledge that it was false, or that the story was published with a reckless disregard for whether or not it was false. So it's taking it that one step further beyond the reckless disregard for the truth to the actual malice. And as I said, that can vary a bit by state, but it has to show that there was this knowledge of the falsity or at least a reckless disregard for whether or not it was false. It's just a, I don't care, I'm saying it. I don't care, I'm saying it. I don't care, I'm saying it. (laughs) So where some of this breaks down between the two lawsuits, which I thought was so interesting, and for commentary channels, for creators, for people who talk about things they see in the news, hopefully this will help break down the distinctions between what is permissible commentary, which is this complaint says these things, and I think that that could mean this, or that leads me to wonder this, or I'm questioning this, versus this says this, and it means that. This will hopefully break down where some of those boundaries are because defamation, again, is one of those things that is very fact-specific and very word-specific. And so for creators, especially commentary creators, sticking to talking about what you're talking about and then talking about your own opinion. You're allowed to give opinion, but your opinion can't also be something that's defamatory. It's like, well, I think they're just a freaking criminal who's swindling everybody and nobody should ever work with them and their product is total crap and you can't, who would ever use it anyway? You just, that gets into so many problems that's that's beyond opinion. <laughs> so it goes it goes beyond opinion to making claims about someone that can can damage their business, their reputation that are not true. And in my commentary on Rachel Hollis, you will say I talk about the plagiarism and the examples of plagiarism, saying you can't just rip off other people's shit. That's not my opinion. There are examples of it. So I'm talking about the examples of it. When I say that her advice can be damaging, there's examples of that. And I talk about why I believe that. So it's making sure that we stay within the boundaries of commentary being opinion or fact being fact, saying these are facts. 
we have gotten into a time where stating opinions as facts has become so prevalent in our society that it's sometimes hard to parse the difference. And that is where defamation suits come into play because you cannot state an opinion as if it is a fact. And that is the problem with some of the statements made by without a crystal ball. So let's talk about where these two lawsuits play together by way of an example. I love, I love a good teaching model for law professors anywhere. I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast, but if you are pull these two lawsuits, (laughs) make exam questions out of them. They seem like so much fun in the business partner lawsuit in the recitation of the dispute. The plaintiff talks about his own business acumen and and um, history and resume, if you will, and then talks about why the Westbrooks wanted him as a business partner and then goes into the Westbrooks history and talks about James in particular and goes through statements with regard to James's history. To that end, it's alleged here in paragraph 18, quote, plaintiff is informed and believes and thereon alleges that Mr. Westbrook has been sued before and is currently being sued in Los Angeles County Superior Court for the failure to repay a six-figure loan, C, and then it gives the case citation. And it continues, plaintiff is informed and believes and thereon alleges that in 2016, Mr. Westbrook was ordered to pay his sister's legal fees after she was forced to go to court to stop him from trying to sell his late mother's home and abscond with the profits. It then cites the case um, out of Hawaii. It goes on to say, additionally, online sources have reported that Mr. Westbrook has also been convicted of serious drug crimes. So that is a recitation of a couple different things, um, seemingly to imply that Mr. Westbrook is either not um, honorable, because there are charges here that say that the plaintiff was misled. So it's saying, look, there's these other problems to indicate that he has potentially a character for misleading. And with regard to the legal fees, generally when legal fees are ordered to be paid, it's because someone has lost a suit. So it's a lot of leading one to believe that, oh, well, if it's true that he was ordered to pay his sister's legal fees, then he must have lost. And he lost, what does it say here? Quote, she was forced to go to court and stop him from trying to sell his late mother's home and abscond with the process. Oh, sorry, profits, (laughs) not process, profits. Oh, well, if he was ordered to pay legal fees, then he must have lost. And the thing that I'm, the thing that's being recited here must be true, that he tried to sell the house and abscond with profits. The defamation lawsuit against without a crystal ball breaks down some of the similar facts that we just talked about with regard to James Westbrook, but shows how they were reported on in this allegation by Katie of without a crystal ball and then gives underlying fact to show that the way that she reported it was not true according to this lawsuit. So Katie from Without a Crystal Ball published a blog post on June 3rd, 2019, titled The Criminal Background, Tati and James Westbrook Are Hiding from Millions. In that article, this lawsuit alleges that she said, and I have not seen the article, it's down 
Um, I'm sure someone will send me a link at some point. And if they do, I'll link it in the show notes so you all can look at it too, because the internet is forever. But this lawsuit breaks down what she's alleging. And I don't have any reason to believe the lawyers are, I'm sure they have a copy of the article, right? But again, these are allegations. So in this article, it's alleged that she says, quote, James has a lengthy criminal rap sheet and then talks about one arrest in 1989 and another in 1990 related to drug use when James was still in his teens. The suit goes on to say, however, the article then fails to mention any further criminal activity over the next 30 years. What is more, the article likewise fails to proffer any evidence that Tati and James have taken affirmative steps to hide such matters of public record. As such, the subject article is both intentionally misleading and defamatory on its face. It goes on to say, upon information and belief, the subject article further states that James has never been successful in business. Then it goes on to talk about why that is defamatory according to this suit. It then says, the article also recites as conclusive fact, obviously false allegations found in an unsuccessful lawsuit filed in Hawaii regarding the inheritance of James's mother's estate. Had a valid investigation been performed, it would have been discovered that the lawsuit was filed by James's estranged sister, who was expressly disinherited by their respective mother many years prior due to said sister having previously sued their mother when her stepfather died in an attempt to challenge the inheritance of a surviving spouse. After repeating the salacious and unproven allegations by his estranged sister, defendants conclude as fact, not opinion, that James had defrauded his family. The statement is an obvious, malicious, and blatant lie published solely to inflict damage upon Tati and James and ignores that said lawsuit was settled by said estate being divided amongst the family members and that the attorney's fees were ordered to be paid from the proceeds of the estate, not from James. Upon information and belief, the statement in the article that Tati Westbrook's vitamin line was not selling in the way she hoped was both misleading and maliciously false, and it goes on from there. But you can see between these two lawsuits how the the recitation in one lawsuit is that he tried to sell a home out from under his mom and abscond with the loans and legal fees were paid by him, making it look like he did something wrong. And in this other suit, it's saying, no, no, that was reported as fact. But actually, the whole underlying situation is this, meaning the legal fees were paid by the estate and the estate was distributed in court proceedings. And while it seems like those two things might be closely connected, they're a very distinct difference because it leads one to a different conclusion and when you misreport and willfully ignore, perhaps, the statements in this case, because this suit is alleging if a full investigation had been done, all of these facts would have been clear. So was a full investigation ignored just to report on the statements that were salacious? And that gets into being defamation because you've cherry-picked the juicy bits and left out the whole fact to lead one to the belief that perhaps James did, in fact, sell, try to sell his mother's house out from under his sister and abscond with the profits. It's interesting to me that this article by Without a Crystal Ball is talked quite a lot about in the defamation suit, but it mirrors some of the language in the other suit. And that is 
a very interesting <laughs> it's very interesting that the two play together so closely and it it brought up a lot of questions for me like why why are these things seeming so closely connected and I don't know how I obviously know how Tati and James are connected to without a crystal ball and with the business partner but it's hard to see the other connection and it makes me very curious if there is conversation going on behind the scenes between without a crystal ball and the business partner or if the business partner had watched some of the things without a crystal ball was saying or read some of the things she was writing and then took those things as fact and put them in the lawsuit and if that's true if that fact pattern plays out then it goes to show that the defamation did in fact have impact because it's now resulting in a business partner lawsuit based on statements that were said. It will be very interesting to see if in discovery that all shakes out that way. But it's the first thing when I read these two suits together, I was like, huh, those are some online sources report drug activity. And here's this article with this particular person being sued for defamation reporting drug activity. It goes on There's another part of the underlying lawsuit that is also reported on by Without a Crystal Ball that's brought up very close in time to when this is filed. The second lawsuit was filed October 30th, so just 10 days after the other one, and there were quite a lot of videos there. There's 40 videos flagged as having defamatory information in them, and we're just going to break down how these statements were a misreporting of what's in the lawsuit and how they can then be damaging and defamatory if this is not in fact true. Because of course, truth is always a defense to defamation. The lawsuit with regard to defamation alleges that that Tati and James were broke when they launched Halo, that Tati and James had no credit when they launched Halo, that Tati and James had no money when they launched Halo, and Tati and James had no bank accounts when they launched Halo. Now, the underlying lawsuit says not that. The underlying lawsuit talks about the reason the business partner was brought in and that the business partner used his own um, banking relationships and business relationships to support And it says, quote, Mr. Swanson, that's the business partner, Mr. Swanson's education, training, and experience were critical to Inside Out Beauty Labs. This was the name of the company before it changed to Halo. Continuing, the Westbrooks did not have any commercial credit relationships, so Mr. Swanson used his banking relationships. The Westbrooks' poor credit history, including a personal bankruptcy, meant Inside Out Beauty Labs had to rely solely on Mr. Swanson's personal credit to secure lending and e-commerce facilities. And then it goes on to say Mr. Swanson even used his personal credit to lease Mr. Westbrook of Maserati Gran Turismo worth $200,000 for his daily driver. But why? That was my commentary, the but why. (laughs) Anyway, um, I mean, drive what you want to drive, but it Nobody's ever leased me a $200,000 car. I mean, I I guess I I don't have friends like this business partner, apparently. (laughs) No shade intended, but um, it's just like, it's just, that's so not my life. It's probably not yours either. (laughs) I also wouldn't want to drive a $200,000 car around LA because I'd be afraid every time I parked at Target that somebody was going to ding my doors and they would, and that would terrify me. Anyway, can you see what was said in the lawsuit and how it's different from what was reported. 
the language in the lawsuit is they didn't have any commercial credit relationships. That's not uncommon for people, particularly who are starting out in a new business venture, to not have commercial credit relationships or commercial banking relationships. So he used his banking relationships because they didn't have that. Okay. But they had a poor credit history. Happens that the business partner used his personal credit. Okay. And I've been through this whole lawsuit. So there aren't other places that I'm going to pull that information from. This is that statement. But from that, without a crystal ball, extrapolated and reported that Tati and James were broke, had no credit, had no money, and had no bank accounts. That's where the difference between stating what the facts are and taking those facts and making them mean other things is problematic. Now, the second part of defamation is really going to be proving damages on all of it, but that's not, that's your defense. What you want to do with defamation is play offense and not say shit that's going to get you sued for defamation. Also, in this case, everyone has reported, including without a crystal ball and including being tied into this lawsuit, that there had been multiple cease and desists sent to without a crystal ball to ask her to stop with the defamatory statements, and she chose not to and continued continued to proceed on. So there is a history here. And in one of her videos, um, without a crystal ball was saying, well, this has been going on for 18 months. If they were going to sue me, they would have sued me. Well, here we are. This is where channels who do reporting, whether you are a channel that does reporting or not, whether you are just reciting a story whether you are making a Instagram post, a tweet, a comment to your kid's principal at school, a review of a product or a company, making it grander, adding some spin on it can end up getting you in trouble. And I break that down also in the getting sued for bad reviews. When it comes to stuff like this, sticking to the facts is what's necessary. When you're reporting it, it's sticking to the facts and then saying, hey, that's interesting. Isn't it interesting that the Westbrooks had a poor credit history? Isn't it interesting that they had a personal bankruptcy and yet the business partner obviously rented them a $200,000 car? So does it seem like he was concerned about their credit based on his actions? I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't seem like he was super worried about getting into this business relationship with them because even though he lays out, they didn't have a commercial credit relationship, they had a poor credit history, and that he was using those relationships. He also used those relationships to lease a very expensive car that you could potentially lose a lot of money on if you're leasing a $200,000 car at some point. One would have to turn it back in. So you trust somebody enough to give them a $200,000 car that you've leased, at least had your name on. So there's there's some there's some connections you can have a conversation about in this what you don't say is oh well clearly they were you know ridiculously broke and had no credit and were totally screwed again can feel like a difference without a distinction but the way you say it matters what you say matters and paying attention to those details and making sure that you're sharing your opinion and that you're making it clear that it's your opinion because there's a difference between, well, they were broke and they had no credit, so obviously they needed this investor because they had nothing, versus it seemed like they were in a financially hard place. I wonder if that's why they brought in an investor. It's a different statement. 
So hopefully today we've covered a little bit of something about YouTube drama. So you're in the loop on what's happening on the YouTubes with a drama channel being sued for defamation, conversations about defamation being hard to prove. It can be because when it comes to damages, it can be hard to show that these statements caused the harm. But of course, we don't know all the things that could have happened behind the scenes that might prove that it's not pled in this lawsuit because that's information that comes up later. All the courts are backed up due to COVID, so we're going to have to wait for a while to get answers, but we're going to get it, maybe. I can't say we're going to get answers at some point because things settle out of court all the time. Lawsuits are expensive. People decide they don't want to do it. I completely understand all of that. Hopefully, we'll have some answers. Somebody's going to talk about this. It seems that Without a Crystal Ball is still chatting about it in comments on other videos, watching other videos about it. So I think we're going to still see some stuff. Oh, and one of the lawyers for Tati Westbrook was like calling out without a crystal ball stands on Twitter. I will reshare some of that on my Twitter. It was hilarious. I was like, oh my goodness, we've, we've crossed over into a world where it's like internet inception without a crystal ball was talking about this case and saying, my lawyer told me not to take anything down. It was fine. I'm going to be fine. So she was in a live with her community talking about the fact that she hadn't been served with the lawsuit yet, but she was aware of the lawsuit and that she was fine. Her lawyer told her that they had a strong case and her lawyer was popping in the comments. I only saw her lawyer popping up saying, you know, Katie, stay strong, like I'm proud of you, stuff like that. I've done that as an attorney. I've popped into people's comments that have stuff going on to show support. People have then today said, no, he was like arguing with people in the comments. I was like, oh yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. Like when I was a DA, it was really hard to read newspaper articles about your case and see all the comments under the article and be like, oh my God, they're so wrong. Because it's so tempting to be like, no, but you're wrong. No, but you're wrong. No, but you're wrong. But when you're the lawyer fighting with people on the internet, it really doesn't do you any good other than bringing you a lot of frustration or bringing hilarity to everyone else. So I didn't see that going down, but apparently, <laughs> according to the comments, her lawyer was not just in the comments supporting, but was also in the comments telling other people, no, that's not how this all went down. And then Tati Westbrook's, one of her lawyers with regard to the defamation case was on Twitter calling out some of, well, I think they came for him first. I'm going to post it on Twitter. You guys can let me know what you think. Twitter confuses me the way things scroll, but was definitely holding people's feet to the fire when they were talking about, no, you know, without a crystal balls, spitting the truth, essentially. She's speaking the truth, so it's not defamation. I think the lawyer's like, really? Do you have evidence of that? Can you can you show me that? <laughs> so that'll be up on Twitter because now we're in a place where like lawsuits are playing out so far advanced in the court of public opinion, it can be problematic for everyone involved. And the lawyers are now in, in the public venue as well. I mean, not that I'm not. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not trying this suit. I'm dying of curiosity with stuff with this suit, but I'm also glad that I'm not the one sitting down watching hours and hours of Without a Crystal Ball's videos to timestamp where she said shit because somebody had to do that. Um, somebody also got to, though, watch all of the Dramageddon videos for Tati again and revisit all of all of 2019. Oh, it was a simpler time when everyone was like shook because Shane Dawson was putting out a makeup palette and James Charles lost 3 million subscribers. Remember that? It feels like a it feels like a simpler time, like a more innocent time. Oh, remember remember 2019 when we just 
everybody was just really about YouTube drama and it was being reported on major news networks. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is so wild. And people had just gone to like the Met Ball had just happened. And yeah, it was simpler then. Oh, I feel like we're in like Game of Thrones. It's like winter is coming. Winter is coming. And you're like, no, it's going to be fine. And then you look back and go, oh shit, they were right. Winter was coming. Damn it. Anyway, oh, it's just, it was a simpler time. I hope this helped give a little clarity around defamation, around what's going on, and maybe give a little levity, levity, T. I couldn't help it. There had to be a T joke. A little levity today with, I'm sure, whatever happened yesterday with the election. Hopefully, wherever this finds you, it finds you well, it finds you safe, and it's time to sign off. It's the podcast. Raise a glass or a hand or an earbud. (laughs) Know that I'm thinking of you wherever you are today, however you are today, and I'm very much wishing that your Wi-Fi is strong, that your toilet paper is plentiful, that your family is well, and that the odds are ever in your favor. Thank you for hanging with me for another episode of Get Legit Law and Shit. If you loved this podcast, please go ahead and give it a review. Go ahead and share it with a friend, share it on social and tag me. And if you want to see the video version, come on over to YouTube. We're having a lot of fun over there. And I'd love to have you join me on that platform as well at the Emily D. Baker. It's all linked in the show notes. I'll see you in the next one, friend. Thanks for sticking around for today's episode. For episodes like this and conversations like this, come join us in the Facebook community. The Get Legit community is where we discuss the episodes, where I answer your questions, and we have an opportunity to take a deeper dive in a respectful, conversational environment. The Get Legit community is on Facebook. There's a link down below, or you can go to getlegitlive.com. I'll see you on the inside.